If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. You have seven evil ex-boyfriends? Seven evil exes, yes. And I have to fight? Defeat. Defeat your seven evil exes if we're going to continue to date? Pretty much. So what you're saying right now is we are dating? Uh, I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Cool. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode number 49, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And, and this it, is a big one. I mean... <laughs> it's about time yeah, that we got to this one. People are probably shocked the, uh, in the close, uh, tight-knit ass clown community <laughs> that it's the taken ACC, so long. The ACC, as we call it, the <laughs> ass clown community. <laughs> <laughs> that it's taken so long to get to this one, but... Yeah, uh, kind of one of the definitive movies of our lives over the last decade oh, or yeah. so. Um, I go to the movies all the time. I mean, we go to the movies together all the time. It's like, I almost never have fun seeing a movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this one is one of the last it's times work. that I did. <laughs> yeah, so this should be a fun episode. We are rapidly approaching episode number 50, which kind of in an odd coincidence will coincide with our one year anniversary of the show believe it or not right nobody thought it would last no including the two people sitting right here (laughs) good lord so you know stunning be on the lookout for that uh we didn't quite hype it as much as the roadhouse deal but you know we're pretty excited to be celebrating 50 joyous episodes with all of you out there in ass clown land (laughs) (laughs) i like i don't i wonder how our listeners feel about us just calling them ass clowns well i think since it's like self-referential for us well yeah we're the kings of ass clowns (laughs) (laughs) so i guess the elephant in the room is the introduction of give us a second which debuted last thursday i think it's the best thing we've ever done it could be folks i know a lot of you out there are only clicking on you know certain titles you know you're picking and choosing which episodes to listen to based on your feelings about whatever the subject is uh and so a lot of you might see uh that the first episode of give us a second talks about kesha uh i will say that we only briefly address like Kesha and her <laughs> career and her songs. Barely a character in it. It's more about our experiences going to a couple of shows over the summer. Um, I would say it was actually a decent job by us telling anecdotes, unlike the uh, previous attempt to record this episode. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend everyone go back and check out 
give us a second. It's going to be, you know, an occasional mini sewed type series that pops up from time to time in our iTunes feed that we're going to be doing. Um, they're all always going to be under a half an hour, I would imagine. And, you know, it'll give us a chance to kind of talk about different things that may not fill out a whole episode. I think the first one went explaining smashingly. <laughs> well, I'm a, yeah. I'm going under the oh, assumption yeah. that some people haven't listened to it, Getting so I'm caught up. urging right. them yes. to check it out. Please, you'll get to hear more explanations of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really afraid that people aren't going to understand <laughs> because you know it is quite uh, an audacious move on our part to be like, well, this show's popular enough to have a <laughs> spinoff, so let's do another one. Yeah. <laughs> It's all under the same umbrella. It's not a separate show. Yeah. It's just it's a, it's a sub show. Bonus. <laughs> bonus. All it's right. a bonus yeah. show. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, it's free. I mean, come on. So check us out on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Really, all we do is post the link to the newest episode, and that's about <laughs> it. Although I have thought like maybe we should start using it to like live tweet things. No, I hate when people do that. I, well, Live I think it would give, give us a chance to make jokes and say funny things. Not yeah. you. You're not going to have to do anything. Okay. <laughs> I'm all in on this idea. You literally will... <laughs> nothing will change in your life. <laughs> I don't even understand. I don't even think you follow the show. No, I started Twitter. following it today. Oh, I right. didn't realize I didn't follow it. All right. Well... Well, I don't have Twitter on my phone. Maybe so I'm going to live tweet the Oscars. I don't know. Oh yeah, what and talk about all the Oscar movies that you haven't seen, or maybe year? I'll live tweet a Penguin game, <laughs> <laughs> or when I watch a movie. Uh, I don't probably probably won't do it. I always forget. You could uh, bring back the movie of the day. No, okay, God. <laughs> Sometimes I just like I think about different things that I've done, like emails that I've sent to girls, or <laughs> just different things, and I'm just like, oh, oh man. I'm like the most embarrassing human being alive. <laughs> That's my whole life. That's all I think about like every day, like just like the horrifically embarrassing things that I've done. And I'm just like, Oh, and it's like, that's the incorporating like song lyrics, just self-loathing nonstop. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think about AIM away messages from 2002. I'm and proud I'm of like, those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the lyrics to my favorite accident, but friggin' motion city soundtrack. It's like, good Lord. <laughs> A friend of mine once said, if you didn't have the lyrics to Untitled by Blink-182 <laughs> as your AIM profile at least once, then he didn't even want to know you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe on iTunes, rate and review. We are now officially a five-star rated podcast yes, on exciting. iTunes. exciting. A celebratory moment. Now, when you set up this new episode, did you make it the same length? Uh, an hour and fifty-five minutes. Okay. Okay. I was getting. I was. You know, we had a problem before. Yeah. All right. So thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed. We could always use some more. So if you're listening on iTunes, just pop on over there and you know give us some love. Uh, tell your friends and get the word out yeah. there because God knows we're not doing it. Well, That's Matt is a little I'm, bit. Yeah, I'm a the, little bit. I'm the new street team. For greatest moments. I mean, you know, telling like, like a couple of people. Yeah. I'm talking about like we need to like blast it out 
into the universe. I'm just sitting down next to hot chicks at bars and being like, "Oh, get the what fuck you- <laughs> out of here. You've never even seen a hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> Not at the bars you're going to. Yeah, no kidding. Um, My living room. <laughs> it's basically. So anything else as far as housekeeping? Uh, uh, we got, we're going to get more stickers. Yes, I'm going to get please. more stickers. So just sit tight. I know everyone's sweating it out. And like, if, like I said, last episode or sometime. Sweating it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh no, I might not get one. You're going to get one. So, and if you're worried and you thought about like not asking, cause you're just like, well, the supply is short. Just ask. I'll, I'll get you two. Okay. I wish that if we were going to get these stickers out into the world, that there'd be some way for like someone looking at it to be like, oh, I'm going to check that out. But like, you know, there's really no explanation as to even what it is. Yeah, but it has our logo on it, so. Well, that's true. They'll be able to take a picture of our logo and then do a Google image search and then find our podcast. It's for the hardcore fans. (laughs) That's true. It's like a secret society. Yeah. Being an ass clown. Right. Um. All right, so the 50th will be coming up next week. Um, obviously, keep an eye out for more episodes of Give Us a Second because I'm going to go ahead and assume that some people listened to it and some people enjoyed it, and they're like, well, when is the next one? I liked this shorter format. Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know when it's going to pop up. You always got to. That's why you got to subscribe because, A, Right now, we're really trying to get these episodes out at yes. the same time every we're, week, but we know that's probably not going to last. We're now trying to <laughs> manipulate you to subscribe. <laughs> Please subscribe. Yeah. All right. So without any further ado, let's get to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? It's love, Scott. I wasn't trying to trick you. And we're back. So, this is yeah. take two. We're not going to live in a universe where we pretend like we didn't just record like a 40-minute... Was it 40 no, minutes? No, I don't know. I have no idea how long it was. It's probably it, longer than you think, though. Yeah, it wasn't going great. No. Um, we just, like, a couple of complete douches just started <laughs> talking about, like, our horrible dating lives. Yeah, but not, like, in a funny way. No, no. It was just terrible. Yeah. And plus... I mean, full disclosure, uh, I think some people could probably tell by the choices of movies that we make and, you know, TV shows and whatnot and all the stuff we've done. You know, we don't cover a lot of comedies. Um, Not that Scott Pilgrim is necessarily, like, limited to just being a comedy, but more comedic films are kind of harder for us to cover right on the show. Yeah, because you don't really, you don't want to talk about, like, what you thought was funny in it. So yeah, you're you, try- do, you you're don't want to find- fall into that trap. No, no, right. Of just repeating funny parts from right. a movie. I love the part where uh, Ramon <laughs> is just standing on the stairs and he like shows up and he's like, "What are you doing, just standing there?" <laughs> yeah, but you wanted to work that part into this show, probably. <laughs> I know, I did. You know, so I then think you're stuck like trying to make like horrible points. Like that's not what this band would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> so. Because of the failed attempt at recording this episode already, I think we're going to approach this particular movie a little bit differently than we do a lot of times on this show. I think we're going to do that too. I agree. Your assessment <laughs> there. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be kind of going under the assumption that a lot of 
you out there in Ask Clownland have already seen Scott Pilgrim and are somewhat familiar with it, uh, some more than others. I think Matt and I could potentially qualify as like the world's leading scholars <laughs> on this film. We've seen it so many fucking times. Yeah, <laughs> you watched it twice recently. Yeah, which I, I found shocking uh, because I, I I found it. I I enjoy the movie. I've seen it so many times though that I almost felt like I didn't need to even watch it I again. I was nervous about. Uh, Usually, I just think about things in a weird way, I feel like, so it's kind of easy for me to, like, think about things that, like, aren't really on the surface. But for this movie, maybe there's just, like, so much going on. But, like, after we watched it the first time, and I'm thinking about it, like, the next day, I'm like, I don't know. I was kind of, like, drawing a blank as to, like, what I even wanted to talk about on this episode. Well, good thing you did all that prep, because it really came in handy yeah. for the first 40-minute <laughs> episode. Well, when we I did the, throw in the, the pre-show, re- pre-show review of my notes, you basically just, like ripped them up and threw them in the trash and you were like nice work you ass <laughs> i was like that's not funny we're not talking about that <laughs> and then you cried about it I'm very sensitive so you know we're gonna kind of not necessarily go through the plot in a linear way we're just gonna kind of talk about whatever we found you know interesting right and we'll see where it goes yeah you know no promises no guarantees no with this one absolutely not so, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out in 2010, directed by Edgar Wright, written by Michael Bacall, with Edgar Wright, uh, based on Oh, the Brian Lee O'Malley? I thought he was one of the people that helped adapt it. I didn't realize that. No, he he has this, you know, the he has a writing credit for the graphic novels right. like on IMDb, but no. Okay. I mean, he didn't actually work on the script, I don't think. Although, yeah. technically, you know... They used lines that he had written. Right, right. Obviously. And then he ended up incorporating some of the stuff from the movie into the books uh, that had yet yeah, to be that's written. True. So it kind of like was the symbiotic relationship because the books weren't finished by the time the movie One of those was being made. Uh, very Game of Thrones esque. Yeah. Um, I had not any knowledge of Scott Pilgrim. I'm not a big. I don't know what these are even considered. It's not They're, graphic novels, right? It's something else. Well, I don't know. Are they kind of like manga, or is it anime? I, I don't no think it's idea. anime. I don't know. This is a whole world that I know zero about. Because they're not... The books aren't color. Oh, really? I think they've, they've released colored versions Okay. recently, post-movie. But, yeah. like, the original books are just outline, you know, black and white drawings. So... It's kind of like in that category of yeah. whatever that is. You know, the weird part of the bookstore where all the books are small. <laughs> when you were and go- Japanese looking. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. That part of the store, yes. Yeah. But uh, when you were going over the box office numbers for this movie, and I don't know if it's like the cult level of it, although I did, the budget is shockingly big for who the director was at the time. I mean, even the source material, I obviously wasn't that popular that it wasn't on either of our radar. I always think of this as like a big movie, even though not really the case, in the sense that it didn't even make its budget back. What was the question? So I'm just thinking of the time <laughs> leading up to it's. It's not really a big hit, a. Eh? No, no. I mean, it wasn't a huge hit. It did okay. I think it did about 47 million at the box office. Now, the original budget was like 90 and then they got a huge tax credit for filming in Canada which brought it down to about 60 and then it's made almost 30 million in like home video like DVD and Blu-ray which 
percentage wise, yeah. based on box office, has to be insanely high. I would think yes, that's a huge success for because uh, that would be like video sales. I I can't do math, but <laughs> you know that's over fifty percent of what it made in in the theaters and like that would mean that a movie that makes like 500 million dollars like one of these huge movies makes another 250 million plus to like 300 million 350 million on dvd and blu-ray i can't imagine they they all do those i mean it definitely had a, a cult following and the people that liked it were really into it but i think safe to say in the time leading up to it i remember conversations i had just kind of a general feeling definitely some michael Sarah backlash going on at the time yeah not unlike Megan Fox with Jennifer's body. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to Megan Fox and Jennifer's body. Um, yeah, I mean, Juno, Nick and Nora's. Super bad. Super bad, Youth and Revolt. I mean, a lot of the same kind of character for Michael Sarah. So people kind of like reach their point where they're like, all right, well, Enough. we've seen this. Yeah. Um, which, you know, sometimes is justified. That. I think. I like Michael Cera. I like a lot of the stuff that he's been in. I don't really have any particular problem with him or anything. But sometimes I don't think I really get sick of actors in that way, though. Either I'll, no, the I, way that I people don't do. Yeah. So I saw it opening night, and I—I I mean, I was in right away. I, I loved oh, yeah. it the first time. I ended up seeing it a I couple saw it times, three times in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of captures that, like you know, the glory days of like your early twenties, time of life, where like responsibility hasn't like weighed down on you yet and you haven't like fallen into the trap of you know what life is which is just a big shit fuck you can work like a meaningless job but you don't really have any bills right so you can do whatever you want with the shit money that you're making and it's awesome my overall kind of feeling of this movie is not unlike eyes wide shut (laughs) didn't see this being the way that this was going um and I do think a lot of people compare the two movies, though. There's like a lot of other films and literature and different things that kind of... Uh, Scott just haunted by visions of a soldier pulling Ramona's panties off. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea here, I think, is... And now it's obviously different because uh, in Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are a married couple and... It kind of plays into like infidelity and jealousy within a marriage and that kind of thing. But like the ultimate idea here is um, something that I think a lot of men of all different kinds, like all different places in life, all different ages, all different levels of success in their own life struggle with, which is the idea of like a woman's sexuality and a woman experiencing sex and sexual feelings that don't involve them whether it happened before they knew them or during or whatever and kind of like this inability to cope with and understand it even though the man kind of feels free reign to do whatever he wants like that is kind of this own separate thing that's like irrelevant and sometimes like i think in the case of eyes wide shut it's kind of used to like counterbalance and to justify what tom cruise wants to do but like in scott pilgrim um we're constantly reminded and shown that scott has kind of had his own past with different girls in the film whether it's kim who is the drummer in his band i think julie like 
lists a couple of girls, one of which is a character yeah. from the book that, that doesn't exist. Something, yeah. Um, there was like an animated short that they ran on Cartoon Network. Oh yeah, that kind of I remember I saw that. Yeah, incorporated her maybe. I forget what that character's name was, but anyway. And then obviously his big ex girlfriend Envy, and then he's kind of getting into this tangled mess where he's dating a seventeen year old high schooler named Knives Chow, while also kind of falling into a thing with Ramona Flowers, who's this falling new girl into, on the scene, actively pursuing. Right. So I mean, Scott has his own history yeah. that's just as you know tangled and weird and promiscuous and youthful and whatever as ramona or anybody else yet the focal point of the film ends up being ramona and it is past. weird because yeah i mean you when you do say it like that it's like scott kind of acts like ramona's so unpredictable and wild i mean it kind of it's like the hair thing she changes her hair every week she's like fickle whatever but it that is strange that he seems like overwhelmed by what's going on with her whole like backstory when it's like dude just you going over that now, it's like that you've listed him dating almost as many people as she had. Right. And part of it also, which is enforced by several of the other characters in the film, is that Scott wasn't didn't always treat these girls particularly well. And the breakups right. were hard on the girls and Scott, meanwhile, blissfully unaware and usually yes. Moving forward. He has that like kind of makes him seem nice but he's like very unassuming and self-involved and like not really paying attention to what's going on in the but he's like seemingly can get away with it with some people because they're just like oh yeah that's scott he's aloof you know right it's actually a really good garlic bread garlic bread is my favorite food i could honestly eat it for every meal or just eat it all the time without even stopping <laughs> you get fat no why would i get fat bread makes you fat bread makes you fat and you know obviously through the use of you know video game and superhero imagery and different kind of things like that we kind of get this fantasy of scott having to fight ramona's seven evil exes in order to be able to date her which is really just this large metaphor for him getting over her history with other guys and at the end of it is her seventh evil ex gideon who then, by the end of the film, comes back into the picture and kind of represents this idea of like, well, when you get involved with a new girl and they're kind of, their ex-boyfriend's still lingering in the scene, you know? And it's like, yeah. how do I navigate this situation now? And now, he is she wanting to get back together with him? What's the deal? Like, I think everybody's been there in that kind of situation, you know, when they're starting yeah, a new relationship I mean, I up. Know. I will say this. I've honestly, like... I, it's always been strange to me when dudes are this way about a girl's past. Because I, I never care about anything that happened before me. Now, unfortunately, a lot of stuff has usually happened after me. And during you. And, well, that's well <laughs> after you know the day we started. Uh, but like anything that happened before, I mean, that had zero effect on me. Unless they were still involved with that dude, which that's happened too. <laughs> well, I think... That is part of what things like this are about. Yeah. Is, well, what? why can't a guy get over it? What is the fear? Well, mm. there's a lot of different, well, there's a lot of different possibilities. One would be that, like, you can't 
live up to her past. That oh yeah, see, I don't put that. She kind of pressure could on potentially myself. favor someone else from her past over you. Um, one great. one could be that her past is not her past because you know sometimes her past is not her past. Like she's delusional and lying. No, that it's her present. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's like the Gideon aspect. Uh, of yes, it. the Gideon. I've had issues with the Gideon part. The six people who pre- preceded Gideon, I've had zero problem with. Well, that well, and this movie and and you know the graphic novels as well. They kind of carefully set this up where they don't necessarily portray Ramona as a slut because no, no. we understand. Yeah, I don't that think that right. some of these were these relationships. Her seven evil exes, which isn't a lot. If you factor in that, at least like two of them don't really seem to count. Well, first at all. Well, the first yeah, because I know because one of them she says that she dated for a week and a half. Which, if I was Scott, I would just immediately get into a semantics argument with her of like, well, wh- that person doesn't count as your ex. Well, he's not really given that chance. I mean, he just has to start fighting because that's, that's true. the first one, Matthew Patel, who just shows up. I know. Well, I'd f- I'd talk. I'd stop mid fight and be like. You're not really an ex. I've had like flings with people that didn't work out, uh, very brief things. I don't consider them my ex-girlfriend. Well, in all I fairness, I don't consider the that guy fight... from Pride that I gave my phone number to my <laughs> ex-boyfriend. <laughs> well, in all fairness, the first fight is kind of treated more as a goof than yes, the others. Yes, that's true. Uh, some of the characters present, including like Scott's sister, Anna they kind Kendrick, of right? are making fun of him a little bit, what? and like. Uh, Wallace, uh, Scott's gay roommate, he also kind of goofs on him. So it's kind of like Matthew Patel is kind of treated less seriously. Although it is weird because he does incinerate several people that no one seems to react to. (laughs) As you progress down the line, it kind of gets a little bit more serious. Although they casually kind of throw in that Ramona dated a girl, um, had a, they, you know, she refers to herself as bi-curious. Roxy, you know this girl? Oh, boy. Does she know me? What is she talking about? He really doesn't know. He really doesn't know. Wait. Mm. You and her? It was just a phase. Just a phase? You had a sexy phase? It meant nothing. I didn't think it would count. It meant nothing? I was just a little bi-curious. Well, honey, I'm a little bi uh, we kind of don't know the extent, the length, or how serious that relationship may have been. It seems like Roxy, who was the girl played by Mae Whitman, she maybe took it a little bit more seriously than Ramona. Well, that seems to be the issue with a lot of the relationships. So ultimately, Scott and Ramona are perfect for each other because right. they're both complete assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Who treat um, everyone else like shit. <laughs> uh, well, the weird thing, though, and I mean, I guess we got to get to it, is between Roxy and Gideon, the last one, are Evil X's five and six, <laughs> the Kat Tanianagi twins, right. who are brothers, who apparently she dated at the same time. Simultaneously, yeah. So I just like how... What's going on there? Is that a DP situation is does that count as incest if the two brothers don't touch or scott for someone who does overreact to a lot of things seemingly doesn't really react to that that much yeah and it's kind of treated as the least important yeah almost less important than matthew patel because at that point in the film 
Scott and Ramona are going through their like little breakup because now she's gotten back with Gideon. So it's almost like he's fighting the Katzen and Agi twins at that point just because he has to because they're in this battle of the bands thing and blah, 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 blah. So like, I don't even think those two dudes they're have... They're kind of like the twins from uh, Spring Breakers. They share everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. I mean, I think I could be cool with like a girl having seven exes even if they were all douchebag exes but if she dated <laughs> well, two brothers it. at the same time i don't know if i could get over that because that's a little bit too wild any cute chick who's ever dating some dude is just a douchebag to the rest of us that dude you know well, yeah i know i meant like legitimately so but okay, okay. <laughs> so and i do love uh jason schwartzman in this film uh, because from oh yeah, I'll, I've heard so many accounts that he's like the nicest guy right. ever, and everyone like really loves him. But he's just like such a perfect douche in this movie. <laughs> he's so hateable. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and he's really like he really kind of hams it up a little bit in a good way. Like oh, he's yeah. just so over the top. Like uh, I, I do enjoy that. Yoo-hoo! are we done with the hugging and learning? Um, now the Gideon thing, I can just kind of. I could definitely relate to that part of it. I mean, it's like, Ramona, what is the deal? Well, do you feel like, in a way, and this is kind of just a, you know, a mechanism within the film to make this all make sense for everyone. She gets back with Gideon, and then it, it leads to the final fight at the Chaos Theater, um, where Scott is killed for the first time, but then he has gotten an extra life because, like I said, this is kind of treated like a video game oh, at yeah. the time. Right. So he comes back the second time, but in between, he kind of ha- he's back in that dream space where he actually has he first met Ramona, and I mean we can kind of not go over that again because we <laughs> did it the first attempt time. and it really went nowhere. Right. Yeah. Ramona basically tells him in this, you know, this uh, purgatory world that Scott is existing in, in between his life and his extra life that he got, that Gideon literally put a chip in her brain or something yes. to make her go with him or whatever. I always felt like that was kind of a weak weird point in the movie. Like yeah, it and felt it, like, I guess it's supposed to explain why Ramona would go for someone who's just such an over the top douche. But I sometimes would, chicks do that. Yeah, Sometimes <laughs> that would be much more believable. Uh, and know. then you have to like win her back by proving like, Hey, Listen, I've been the Scott to a million Gideons, <laughs> a million. All right, so <clears throat> let's go over uh, some of the characters uh, that pop up in the Scott Pilgrim universe. Um, since we're not really going to go back to the beginning of the movie or anything, and no. we'll just kind of work our way that way. So we have Scott, who is 22 years old, living in Toronto, Canada. He lives with his uh, roommate, uh, Wallace Wells, uh, played by Kieran Culkin. Wallace just living the dream as a gay dude. You just saw some guy's junk, and I apologize for that. Okay. And he apologizes too. Sorry. Scott, you know I love you, but I'm gonna need my own bed tonight. It's for sex. Right. I may need it for the rest of the week too. Well, most gay dudes do live the dream. I know, it it does seem great. It's like. (laughs) I don't know. It's like you play softball and flag football all weekend, then you go to the club and dance and Yeah, what's that part though uh, in uh Zombievers with uh 
Oh, John Mayer and uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr when he's like, "It's not the butt fucking though. It's <laughs> it's the stubble on the chin. It's brutal." <laughs> yeah. Wallace lives like in a basement apartment of some kind of house. Just a nonstop circle of dudes coming through, but him and Scott share a bed together. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of like one of the odd parts. But basically, everything in the apartment of any value belongs to Wallace. It's right. like, and they do at one point. Because Scott shows Knives his childhood home, and it's a, literally across the street. So they don't ever get into, like, parents in this, but you kind of get the feeling that, like, this is all, like, kind of a fun little adventure for Scott because he doesn't have a job, but he could end up back at oh, his yeah. parents' house. You know what I mean? He's, like He's hanging on by a thread to this lifestyle. Although I do like when Wallace like threat you know tells him that he's gonna have to move out like the idea of him moving back with his parents isn't really like brought up because you know he's just desperately clinging to this right. thing where he has this band and he's like an adult even though he's not an adult at all. No. <laughs> so Wallace kind of is uh, there for some comedic relief. Um, kind of has my favorite uh, Wallace moments is like right before uh, like when. Scott comes back to the apartment. Ramona's left with Gideon. And in what I can only describe as a Zach-type pep talk, Wallace is just like, well, that's just because he's better than you. <laughs> Maybe you can move in with Ramona. She's with Gideon. Oh, man. It's probably just because he's better than you. Mm. Either way, this fight is over. Scott spends most of his time practicing in the band Sex Bomb with uh, Stephen Stills and Kim Pine. Uh, Kim Pine played by Allison Pill. She's the drummer. And Stephen Stills played by Mark Webber. He is the talent. Another Zach-type character, much like uh, <laughs> Jason Lee from Almost Famous. Now, Stephen Stills, obviously the name of, you know. Yeah. The real, the real rock Steve, artist <laughs> from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And, then and they hang Neil out with Neil. Young Neil, you know, Neil Young. <laughs> young Neil, uh, played by Johnny Simmons, who's kind of just like a... People just getting it. Hanger on to the group. Uh, I, I wanna, I'll want to. i say this. I, I've never really liked his character in this movie. I mean, I know, obviously, he is important to parts of the plot, but I've just never thought his whole like dumb thing is like funny. He's kind of got like a passive aggressive kind of life because well, yeah. first he starts dating knives when knives wants to get back at Scott when Scott is now with Ramona. It's like, dude, come on. Right. And second, but, I mean, he just steps right in to sign that record deal with Gideon oh, whenever yeah. Scott refuses to do it. Well, <laughs> it's I mean, like, dude. But Scott kind of treats him like shit, too. The band lets, or he lets the band use his place to practice. And it's like, what's he getting out of this? Oh, yeah. Is that Young Neil's place? Right. Yeah. I never really. I believe that is pointed out. Yeah. Oh, well, then I guess we never really know much about the home life of Kim or. Steven Stills. Like right. We, for being in the movie for a lot, we don't really know a, a lot about those two. We know that Kim no. has like a history with Scott. And that Mark, or not Mark, Steven Stills dated uh, Julie. That's really his only. Yeah, Julie, played by Aubrey Plaza, is kind of like on the periphery of this group of friends. Um, she kind of has an adversarial relationship with Scott. 
but she Aubrey seems... Aubrey Plaza playing the Aubrey Plaza character of this, like, time <laughs> period of life, you know? Yeah, and she's, like, kind of friends with Scott's sister, Stacy. They work together, and Which she's also that... friends with Scott's ex-girlfriend, Envy, who, you know, have we really talked about Envy yet? I'm no. always stunned that... Isn't Stacy Anna Kendrick, like, actually, she, like, she's, like, 18, her character's supposed to be? Yeah, but she seems older. Right, yeah. Yeah. That is weird. And maybe intentional in a maybe, weird way because yeah. she's supposed to be like more mature and yep. together because we see her working. <laughs> yeah. She works at like a coffee place with she's Julie. She's uh, briefly in it, but all the scenes that she's in are pretty great, I would say. Yeah, and she seems pretty close with Wallace, although that's kind of weird because Wallace so is supposed 25. to be 25. Yeah, the ages kind of get a little wild. Yeah. Um, so we've also already mentioned Knives Chow, uh, 17 years old, Chinese high schooler who is dating Scott at the beginning of the film. Now, Scott's friends kind of have differing reactions to the idea of him dating a high schooler. Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. Really? Is she hot? How old are you now, Scott? Like 28? I'm not playing your little games, kids. So you've been out of high school for like 13 years. I'm 22. Very much rolling their eyes at it, I would say. Yeah. We kind of pick up the film a year after Scott's big breakup with Envy Adams, played by Oscar Award winner Brie Larson. Yeah. (laughs) In the defining role (laughs) of her career at least in my opinion oh yeah even though i had no idea who she was at the time but yeah i mean i don't want to get too like sexist here but i mean a lot of hot tail in this movie <laughs> yeah well it's very I mean, well mary cast, elizabeth winstead yeah brie larson i know uh anna kendrick has her fans star studded cast we'll see and i think ellen wong is super cute in this movie <laughs> Yeah. At least at the beginning. Um, <laughs> All right, anyway. Um, so, you know who I like that never got a lot of play? Uh, Knives Friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know that you did. <laughs> you wouldn't shut up about it the whole time we were watching it. Even though, like, we don't even know her name. No, I know, but I just like her, like, dismissiveness and, like, I don't know. She just seems like she's the friend that's tagging along with Knives and has to put up with knives being involved in this world and talking about it all the time and dying her hair and all this stuff and she's just kind of like sitting there like no one's ever paying any attention to her yeah it's a true tragedy <laughs> so we talk okay so the movie kind of picks up a year after the big breakup with envy um scott's dating scott's knives. doing the bounce back with a high schooler uh the bounce back I, the year later bounce back <laughs> well i know that move yeah yeah well and a lot of the some friends, of us it's multiple years yeah <laughs> well no kidding uh and a lot of uh the friends i think are just like this is so dumb but like at this point like i can't spend another night listening to him just go on and on about envy for like hours well yeah i think kim is the most incredulous but oh, yeah. like obviously her well she knows scott yeah. is a little you know checkered the dudes are kind of more like all right well is she hot like well, what, mean, are, did you have sex with her like what's going on well, like they, Steven, they're like this, more Steven, curious Steven stills i mean this is like like i just attribute it to being like a zach trait of just like how can this affect me positively like will she be into our band <laughs> <laughs> yeah she can be a fan of our podcast right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean 
it's interesting with like the Envy Adams character because she's kind of unique in the sense that she broke up with Scott, begins dating Todd, who just so happens to be Ramona's third evil ex, played Which seems by like an insane coincidence. Uh, Brandon Routh. Uh, who f- to me will always be known as Superman, but um, <laughs> well, it's like you know, I heard a story once. It's like I can't even remember which boxer this was. It was some dude who held the heavyweight title for like a week or whatever. He was like nobody really, but like he remained kind of friends with Muhammad Ali. And every oh. time Muhammad Ali would call him on the phone, he would be like, "Hey, how's it going, champ?" and Ali calling him champ just like meant the world to this oh, yeah. guy. So if you got to play Superman, you're always Superman, even if well, your movie sucked and no one liked you. I don't, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I don't think Brandon Routh is remembered as Superman for being Superman. I think everyone remembers him as like seeing him later and being like, oh yeah, that's the guy that played Superman. You oh, know that's I mean? Dylan Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain it right exactly, but it's Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was that guy in that Superman movie I didn't that see. That no one saw, yeah, <laughs> or cared about. So Envy has become a star on the rise. Like, her band, The Clash of Demon Head, has signed like, to a label and is now touring and is like... And she's very much like a the chick from Paramore type. Right. Haley Williams type figure. Oh, yeah. Um, you can kind of see like some of these characters, like at least like the little nuggets of who like they may the idea of them may have sprung from. Like, I love the Clash of Demon Head as a band name. Yeah, it was the, what like an it was a Nintendo some game. Nintendo game, yeah. Yeah, um, like Lucas Lee, the second Evil X, who is an actor now in the movie, played right. by Chris Evans, aka Captain America. He or the quarterback from not another team oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, is a pro skater that became an actor, which even in like one of the audio commentaries on the Blu-ray, they're like, "Well, is this based on like Jason Lee? Like the last name's the same, but like they portray him as like kind of a dick." And like even like the the people, the actors like on the commentary star. are yeah. like, "Oh yeah, but Jason Lee's not anything like this." Like they're like they wanted to point out like, "Oh well, Jason Lee's cool though, but he was a skateboarder and he became yeah. an actor." Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Lucas Lee, the character, doesn't really seem anything like no Jason Lee, uh, the type of movies or anything. But things like that, and it definitely seems that like Haley Williams could have potentially been somebody that they were modeling yeah. Envy off of a little bit. I don't know if Haley Williams necessarily has like a negative. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah, she got I mean, signed to a record label, and her the original band didn't, and right. they're out. And the people who yeah, are Paramore now are not the people that started as Paramore. Thi- but like, I don't know if people really hold that against well, her. Yeah, though. but I, I don't think Envy's portrayed negatively other than through Scott's eyes and through Scott's friends. Who? Yeah, but isn't that the whole movie, though? Right, but I mean, I don't think... She definitely comes off a little cold. She doesn't yeah. seem to care that True. Todd punches knives in the face that is is a 17 year old girl it's a stunning thing she seems to kind of like it in a weird way (laughs) okay yeah well i got kind of a cold-hearted bitch quality to her but again well if Haley williams was the inspiration for the character i don't think they're drawing any parallels in that sense now did envy accidentally tweet a topless photo of herself and a million people like screenshotted it (laughs) (laughs) well that'll happen (laughs) um so anyway so it's kind of like this weird thing because uh, in the movie uh, Suburbia, which oh, I yeah. bet you didn't I think gonna I was bring that. Yeah. Up. I was going to bring this up in the failed episode. Uh, the whole idea that like, like Giovanni thing, yeah. Ribisi 
was in this band and now this band is like successful and he's not in it anymore. I was going to bring this up and I thought you were going to be like, it's not the same thing though. (laughs) No, why would I do that? Because sometimes you do that if I say something. Why don't you talk about how the guitar (laughs) wouldn't sound like that? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of this, it's this weird idea that, that's been a, those are these are the only two movies that come to mind right now. I'm sure there are other examples, but like this kind of idea that like you're a part of something potentially or you know you're close to someone and then they go on to this big success and then leave you behind. And then the ramifications of when they come back into town and then like dealing with that. That would be bizarre. Because that's an added element to just yeah. envy being an ex-girlfriend is that she's now also she's, now a mega superstar and even like because there's a scene of Although scott it's not like they're playing in an arena all right well they're known though. yes and <laughs> they have their own section at the cd store well yes yeah, scott and knives are in the music store and knives is suddenly a fan of the clash of demon head and scott doesn't want to even tell her yeah like the whole story because it isn't until much later that knives even finds out that scott dated <laughs> and has an amazing reaction to it <laughs> We kind of um, covered the evil exes. Was there anything we needed to say about Matthew Patel? So when the fighting starts, and this is this is when it like really becomes like true fantastical, as you once put it. Because <laughs> uh, before Matthew Patel crashes through the roof, it's all pretty normal interactions. Yeah. Um, there were like some weird, like the the jump cuts and the different like yes that seemed to cut not only in location but in time right. just jumping around that was off-putting but you could just chalk that up to a weird yes filmmaking style but like yeah the video game kind of elements start to increase and then like the the fighting elements that are very like seemingly influenced by like street fighter or something like that oh, yeah. but the thing that's kind of a big question mark because if Obviously, we're viewing this movie as a fantasy, and we can't take anything in it too seriously, because even, like, you know, Scott gets an extra life, that kind of stuff, whatever. But the violence is kind of a big question mark over this movie. It's like... What is actually happening? Are people being killed? Yeah. Because Matthew Patel, you know, Sex Bomb is in the their first battle. They have to go through a series of battles against other bands to advance, and then the end prize is a record deal right. with G-Man, who turns out to be Gideon. So they're in their first battle, and then Matthew Patel shows up, and this fight starts with Scott, and then as part of the fight, he ends up in... Uh, Matthew Patel ends up incinerating the other band, Crash and the Boys. And no one really cares. I have to tell you, people weren't that broken up about it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was reacting. Yeah. And at the end of every fight, Scott essentially makes them burst into coins like a video yes. game and are they dead because all does he does happen in video all games he does where to roxy and turn into coins uh well like sonic the hedgehog they're okay. like rings i yeah. don't know sometimes different yeah okay. things. i guess like uh, some games but like all he does to roxy is you know tickle the back of her touch leg. we like yeah. touches the back of her knee oh yeah and she explodes well she's like an orgasm on the ground and then explodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did That's love her odd, little dig yeah. of like you'll never be able to do this to her. To like talking about Ramona, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a subtle, right? Not even subtle, direct shot. So let's talk about the end of the film because this is interesting. They obviously started working on the film, completed the script, and then were filming before the books were finished. Um, they wrote an ending and shot it, and even screened it 
that where Scott ends up with knives. Right. This is on the Blu-ray. This was a done deal. This was the end of the film. This, this was wasn't on the like Blu-ray. Yes, I've seen it. Oh, oh, I thought no as an as okay. as a deleted scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait, they were putting it on the Blu-ray that early? No, 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 no. And they tested it out, and it was kind of one of those things where it's like it's kind of like the Ducky version oh. of this movie, yeah. Where emotionally. Knives is is here's the thing pretty much an innocent and that's a, yeah Scott doesn't deserve knives and they it's, address that right. but it it you could look at that as like a cop out line but like no but I like I think like the general feeling from the audience is like Scott's been pretty shitty to knives well no the audience was basically like what was the point of this oh why did he fight everyone he fought, we wasted so much time watching him fight all these different people and then he doesn't even end up with this girl like she just goes away to berlin or whatever her stupid plan was god ramona is uh, such a ugh. yeah she's an absolute she's like a bore. hipster i don't ass. even know what uh scott is so obsessed with her about. i don't about. know why well they're perfect for each other yeah, because they're just self-involved idiots um, yeah and uh, yeah but like that's the thing about ramona it's like she's just like Oh, I'm just going to stand up against this wall and act like I'm cooler than everybody and not emote or react to anything that's happening. If I was Scott, like, falling over myself trying to tell this stupid anecdote about fucking Pac-Man and it's just falling, I'd be like, halfway through, I'd just stop and be like, well, what's so cool about you? Why am I trying to entertain you with this story? And storm off. Did we talk about the Pac-Man thing on this version no, that or was, the old version? That was on the old version, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like... And you have to you have to kind of almost view the knives versus Ramona thing from that perspective of that Pac-Man story. Hey, what's up? Nothing. Hey, you know Pac-Man? I know of him. Well, Pac-Man was originally called Puck-Man. They changed it because, uh, not because Pac-Man looks like a hockey puck. Paku-Paku means flap your mouth. And that they were worried people would change, scratch out the P, turn it into an F, like, Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, am I dreaming? I'll leave you alone forever now. Thanks. When they show Scott spending time with knives, he's full of confidence because oh, yeah. he's not particularly he worried yeah. about what knives thinks. And so he uses his life experience and knowledge to impress her. Because she doesn't know a lot of things. She thinks everything Scott says and does is cool because she doesn't she hasn't experienced very much. And so he tells her this, you know, stupid backstory to the, the origin of the Pac Man name. Like anybody would even give a shit. And she's of course <laughs> yeah. blown away by this just oh, because yeah. anything that he, he says. seems smart oh, because yeah. he knows things that people don't that she doesn't know. Right. So then, you know, not fifteen minutes later in the film. Uh, after he's had these weird dreams about Ramona, and then he finally figures out who she is based on that funny drawing that he shows to Como, who's just a random douche hanging out in the movie. <laughs> um, know it all. So he tracks Ramona down at this party. He tries to go up and talk to her. Um, hilariously, he repeats the Pac-Man story, except he can't get the details right. He's stumbling all over himself. He's messing it up. She's not reacting to anything he's saying, so then he's just floundering around. And that kind of just shows you his level of interest in Ramona is so much higher. He gets very nervous to try to even talk to her, 
Whereas with Knives, you know, he treated her as beneath him, mostly because of the age difference. I mean, if they were the same well, age, yeah. Knives is fucking smoking hot. <laughs> and, not, and you know, Scott Pilgrim is just this fucking skinny douche. Like, yeah. you know, he wouldn't be pulling, like, some hot Asian chick. <laughs> so, like, it is appropriate that he ends up with Ramona because they are the same. Right. They're the same age. Self-absorbed fucking... Well, I mean, even if you don't want to take the negative... Side of it. I mean, yeah. they're just like <laughs> it's more Calm appropriate. Down, <laughs> like knives has an infatuation with Scott, but it's not really based on anything. And Scott, unfortunately, no, I mean, there Scott are a lot just of represents this world to knives that she had has had no part of. Yes, and it's like so cool, and it's like her awakening as like her own. She didn't even know there was cool music yeah, until three exactly. months ago. <laughs> and I remember when I found out, and I was just as blown away. You were twenty five. <laughs> yeah, when I met you, and you told me about <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what was that first band that we like? The first band we were talking about when we were working. Out? I think it was them Crooked Vultures. Remember we were like talking about that album? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. God, we were so lame. Yeah. Because that band does suck. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a cool no, album, yeah. I guess. Although, you know, um, whatever happened to it. Maybe we should put a Them Crooked Vultures song at the end of this. Although we're not going it's to. It's too bad we didn't record the half-hour dissertation on Weezer before the before I fired the mic. Well, up. that's probably a future uh, <laughs> episode of Give Us a Second. Yeah. <laughs> we just did a practice. Practice up. Um, now, the other thing, it's like, this is why it's just also, like, not a good idea and it's just not a nice thing to do to just date someone that you have like zero interest in, you know. Right, and I mean a lot He's, of people end up doing it. I know, but it's just like such some an... people get married to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, you know, I referred to myself as Matt Damon from The Departed. Of just like, well. And I'm not thinking of the scene when he's crying in the elevator saying, just fucking kill me. <laughs> but the part I wish he, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> the part when he's like, uh, I'm fucking Irish. I'll stay in something that's uh, bad forever. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard a line in a movie that I've related to more. Well, that's kind of how I feel about this podcast sometimes. Always just taking <laughs> shots at the podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, you saw I was strutting around after listening to that Kesha episode. Oh, I was yeah. I feel like I'm the most talented motherfucker in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was pleased as punch with that fucking intro song I came up with to use. Another part of the movie that I really relate to. <laughs> oh, we're not gonna talk about me anymore. Uh well, there's plenty of time. Alright, go ahead. So Scott No, I don't know. There's too many names. Steven Stills announcing that he got them a gig okay yeah this is big i have distressing news is the news that we suck because i really don't think i can take it no clash of demon head are doing a secret show tomorrow night and envy asked us to open for them i hate you a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig maybe you can put your history aside until we get through this thing you know for the band for the band for the band can't we do our for the band can't we do our own secret shows all our shows are secret shows i mean it's the fucking person who scott has spent a year trying to get over just can't get over it's been like a brutal beat down on his life it's basically like something that's like it's so much that like all his friends are like treated like she who shall not be named like it's it's that big of an impact 
And Steven Stills is just like, oh, yeah, Envy asked us to open for her, and we're going to do it. <laughs> and it's like, can you imagine one of your friends putting you in that position? I mean, I can because it's happened a bunch of times to me, but. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is a, obviously an extreme example because they are a band who doesn't really have a lot going right. on. And this is an opportunity to play for a, a real audience. Uh, f- opening up for a legitimate band that's now signed and has like a, presumably CDs out and songs on the radio and whatnot. Um, the other thing is, and I could push this theory forward a little bit. Do the other members of Sex Bobum want Scott out of the band and <laughs> it they just seem, haven't been able to right? There's bring not themselves a, to say it. They don't. When uh, Scott is like, if you guys are signed with Gideon, you're gonna have to do it without me. There's not like a huge like discussion. There's no like, no, Scott, we need you to come. Right. Yeah. Because obviously he's treated Kim like shit and Steven Stills only wants to become famous and rich. Right. And yeah. probably sees Scott as an impediment to that because <laughs> Scott is too wrapped up in himself right. and he's doesn't like, seem to care about the well, band. Well, that's true. He's leaving band practice to go <laughs> on a date well, with Well, that Ramona. doesn't remind me of anyone in this room. <laughs> Good God. Well, that usually wasn't for a girl. That was for an addiction to booze. Yeah, that was sad. That was real fucking Well, yeah, sad. I've gotten real better. Real, real better. better. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better, you know. Let's and just say the Kapowski's had a lot of promise. Operative word being had. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Could always be a comeback. I'm 33, Matt. There's no comeback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Scott Pilgrim was like... I mean, I know that we've kind of like pointed out some, you know, weird things that, you know, they casually throw around some words that wouldn't fly even now, just, it you know, weird. seven years later. I, know, I think Kim so says strange. retarded at one point. Yeah. And, you know, some of the female characters are kind of treated I can't believe in a one dimensional sense. The, uh, I mean, I guess this is a good thing for like feminism and, and all that oh, stuff. Boy. Because No, no, I, I'm just <laughs> saying like, it's funny, like how much just the landscape of it has changed like since just 2009 that i watch things now and i'm like holy shit i can't believe they said this or like these characters acted like this like i don't know it's just a weird thing that it's changed that much like or the way i look at things i think in a way you could look at this film like that as but it's also like maybe i'm just older and it's like i don't know i mean they do remind me of how I was when I was 20. Right. Well, that's the thing. I think ultimately, and if like a feminist critic like viewed this film and then felt like it was a negative portrayal because Ramona's history is treated like this horrible thing, whereas Scott gets this free pass. I actually think that that's kind of a superficial way to look at oh, it I because so I think ultimately the point is that Scott is an asshole. Right. And he kind of has to learn at the end that, you know, that kind of shit doesn't matter yeah, and granted they kind of fly through his like apology to kim and blah blah blah. but like uh, even if scott doesn't necessarily learn the lesson fully by the end of the film the viewer potentially is supposed to see these things i think sometimes um whether whether it's a feminist critic or it's a, a critic coming from a different perspective about something else sometimes i think people overlook the idea that maybe the point is to see that Right. And because ultimately the way that people act in this film, despite it being a fantasy, despite all of this video game stuff and superhero stuff and, you know, Street Fighter stuff, these people are acting pretty real. Like, 
Oh yeah, uh, that was a huge thing for me when me I too. saw this film. Was like, yeah, this kind of is how people I know oh, acted yeah. during this time period of my life in the early twenties. Being, you know, we talked about it before, but just being part of the same circle and like dating each other. And I mean, I I, I said it on the uh, deleted, ep, but <laughs> the lost episode. Just the idea of there's all the stuff with the fighting and everything, but I really just like the parts of the movies that just feel more grounded in reality. Like the groups of people hanging out, having like a whole little scene where they're going to shows, they're going to parties together. Like that's the part of the film that I connect with more. I really wanted to move to Toronto for a while. And then I realized you would have been even more insufferable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I was like, well, maybe like Austin. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. I remember seeing this. Uh, I think the second time I saw, it, I saw it with my girlfriend at the time, and I just always remember this as an observation she made. That I don't. It was like funny to her, like when they opening for the Clash of Demon Head, and like no one is like watching or reacting to them. <laughs> and my, I remember my girlfriend sitting next to me, and she was, she like really laughed at that, and she was like, people would be into this band. <laughs> And I was, I don't know. I just thought that observation was funny. Final thoughts on Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Definitely like a departure from everything else that Edgar Wright has done. Oh, we didn't I really know. talk you about know his what? career. Yeah, very that's much true. Here. I, as we were watching this the other day, I was like, it's really funny. I don't know if there's been that as many movies like this that it have have had such an impact on me, where pretty much everything else that that director has done hasn't really had an impact on me i mean i do i like Shaun of the dead i know you're not really a fan of those movies no i like Shaun of the dead i don't love it yeah right uh, it's a it's fun um but hot fuzz but yeah kind of bored me but listen, so did i don't at even, the world's end i don't even compare or, like scott pilgrim to me is on like a whole other plane than those movies for me and it's just it's it is weird to think that like it's like these credits roll and i think he did an unbelievable job with this movie with like how many pieces are in play how much of a story they're trying to cover in the you know in a movie length time like i think he did a really good job and i really love love the cast love the soundtrack but it's like yeah i i don't really have a lot of things i can compare this to where none of his other movies really resonate with me on this level yeah i mean um i can't get inside your brain but i don't know you know uh, nobody's nobody's jumping to mind for think, me yeah think about all your favorite movies they're usually by a director that you like their other work or or, or or you're more vested in their other work yeah sometimes although sometimes there's like maybe maybe like an eli roth with knock knock just we're just <laughs> looking through blu-rays right now no, I, I i i like cabin fever no uh it would be funny if like they did the <laughs> arrows thing for like who owned what and like the arrows pointed to like the 85 blu-rays you own in like the three it's way more than 85 um i think what you're saying is that as far as like known directors like auteurs who have yes. like their own style and their own fan base and their own thing i kind of know what you mean yeah but i think you know what i you mean. know you're i think you know what i mean more than you're even letting on clumsy way of saying it <laughs> i just wanted to expose you for the ass that you are shocker <laughs> Well, what about Jonathan Demme with Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, although he was involved with Black Mama, White Mama. Well, that is another. I mean, that one did come to mind. To be fair, (laughs) I've thought that before when I've looked at the back of Silence of the Lambs because I'm always like, who directed Silence of the Lambs again? Although I like some of his other films, but yeah, but not on that same. But that's kind of that same separation, right? 
Anyway, people uh, really relate to that discussion. <laughs> yeah. So that'll do it for Scott Pilgrim, I guess. Um, yeah, I think the way a that real we approach this, this episode. No, I think it. I think it turned out good. No, I think so too. <laughs> and, and, well, it's definitely better than the one we d- we're not Holy releasing. Shit. Holy hell! Ooh. I was falling asleep. Ooh. Well, I don't even know what the fuck it was like. We all of a sudden started doing like a relationship show, <laughs> with just. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird anecdotes. thing, like when we're like, this one guy wanted to fight me because of this girl, and we're not and, like saying. And I'm any like, yeah, names. the same thing happened to me. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's kind of hard terrible. to like paint a picture. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you haven't seen the film, as always, we encourage you to check it out. This one, I, I will say that sometimes it's hard for me to limit myself to like a reasonable amount for like top whatever lists for movies but i mean i think there have been times where i've done even top fives where i've put scott pilgrim in my top five movies of all time yeah i don't know it's hard for me to commit to that though because i i, I uh, don't know yeah. it always changes depending on my mood or whatever but i do hold this film in high though. regard i think it's a perfect snapshot it's always a of fun era time of 2000 six through 2012 i don't know whatever era you want to kind of put that in but it's like i don't know if this film really makes sense now if it was like if this was released in 2017 i think it would be a a big flop i think it would do even worse wow i i just i just think like predictions i don't know i just don't know we'll never know the answer to well now that brie larson has an oscar yeah all bets are off um you know what I'll say this about the uh, in-theater screening of this movie. When she performs for Clash of Demon Head, I was, like, pumped. <laughs> I mean, that... <laughs> what, what was that motion you just did? I don't know. You are like, bouncing I up mean, and down. I mean, I was getting into it. I was like, wow, this show would be awesome to be at. <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, God, this must be awful for Scott. I was, like, really relating to it. That was like, holy shit, this chick is hot as fuck. (laughs) Um, And she's singing. Yeah, pretty cool soundtrack, as we mentioned. Like, metric. Right. Broken social scene. A lot of Beck stuff. Original songs that he wrote for Sex Bob and whatnot. All right, so uh, thanks for listening. Um, Episode 50 next. Yeah, get ready. Hold on to your dicks. (laughs) Gonna be big. Uh, Subscribe. Rate and review if you already have. Thanks a lot. Get in touch with Matt for a sticker. Absolutely. Follow us on Twitter at Greatest Pod. And um, we will uh, see you next time. Peace.
That's my dream, Jerry. I had a dream last night that a hamburger was eating me. <laughs> <laughs>